Well, amen. What a beautiful job you did this morning singing God's praise. Um, I would imagine that um, some of you had a late night. Some of you uh, are watching out there because you had a late night, but aren't you grateful for victory? Victory is a wonderful thing. We're going to talk about victory today. And um, of course, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Alabama, right? We're talking about a different kind of victory. Um, I'm certainly not going to talk about Lane Kiffin in East Tennessee. We're not going to bring that up. But uh, we do have victory to celebrate today, and we're going to do that. A couple of things real quick. If you didn't receive the elements on your way in, the little bread and juice cup, deacons would love to bless you with that right now. So if you missed it, I know we're in a Baptist church, but raise that hand, brother. Put it up high. It's all right. Put it up. Put it up. Anybody need it? Yeah, a few over here, guys. So wherever they see that hand, they're going to bless you with the bread and the cup. If you are watching from home, thank you for tuning in. It's always funny when we have a late night game here in Knoxville to see who actually comes to church. And we're just glad that you're tuned in, that you're up now, that you've made it. We were blessed last night to keep our granddaughters while Heather and Parker went to the game. I might sneak a story about that in in a minute, but we, uh, we just are so glad you're here. Get your elements at home. Maybe you have some bread, some juice, some Ritz, some Coca-Cola, whatever you need. Get something to eat, something to drink. And if you are a born-again, baptized believer, we invite you to join us, okay? Born-again, baptized believers, we invite you to join us in communion today. Uh, I was blessed last week at this time. I did a pastor's conference up in Vancouver, Canada, way up high on the, on the West Coast, and I had pastors from multiple nationalities represented. Then on Sunday last week, I preached in a Korean church that we support. They're supported by the work of Grace Go, Grace Global Outreach. They're one of our newer partners, wonderful young pastor and his family, just getting the job done up there, reaching people. It's a tough area, guys. Canada as a whole is quite antagonistic to the gospel. But something very interesting, there are 80 congregations that would be similar to us, we'll say Baptistic, that we work with through the North American Mission Board. 80 congregations, eight facilities. Eight facilities. So we were worshiping, and there were multiple languages on the screen. We were worshiping. One church I went to had Russian. Uh, they had Chinese or Mandarin. They had um, Cantonese. They had Korean, English. And so there's all of this opportunity to worship. It really is a melting pot, even more so than here. But uh, the nation holistically is very hardened to the gospel. And so pray for the work in Canada. We're gonna begin taking teams up there, working with our church planning partners. I was so encouraged by the young people that were there planning churches in that tough area, in that very expensive city. But God is working, thanks, huge thanks to Pastor Kevin Mislevic. Wasn't that a phenomenal message last week out of Romans 12? Wasn't it awesome? I loved it. It was incredible. It reminds me that we have a genius on the staff. That's always good to have, right? He never even looks down. He wore a nice groove on the stage right here where he paced. I saw him, he did this and he walked like that and he taught and he never looked at his notes. And I'm like, man, I love knowing smart people. And I really love working with smart people. I love Kevin and Sandy Mislevic. They're a gift to our church and he is doing a phenomenal job. Kevin and I, along with a small team, will be going to India later in October and we'll be teaching a much larger pastor's conference there. I'll actually bring up that area of India in the message today as well. But Thank you to Kevin Mislevic. Pastor Kevin is just um, 
a real blessing to our team. We're also going to introduce to you today Feeding the 5,000 2023. Y'all ready for this? It's going to be awesome, church. We're going to see people saved and baptized and set on the road to discipleship. The door closed for us at Fulton High, and God opened a better door. At the Boys and Girls Clubs of Irwin Street, we are going to their premier location. The CEO, the leader of Boys and Girls Clubs in the Tennessee Valley is a wonderful member of our church. His wife is on our staff, and we are so grateful for him and opening the doors. Not only do they have two huge gymnasiums connected that we can use to put in many people to hear the gospel, they have a ginormous swimming pool. Now, we're not going to swim and play. What are we going to do? We're going to baptize folks over and over. So I want you to get excited. Pastor Brian will tell you more about this at the end. This is the best way to have multi-generational service to our community, to love them, to feed them the truth of God's word, to feed them a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. I believe thousands and thousands will be touched through this. We'll talk about it more in a little bit. You'll get a card to take with you when you go, and I really hope you'll participate. Pray, give, join us in the packing party. Come to distribution day if you can and be involved in worship. It takes many hundreds and even thousands of volunteers and givers. Okay, we are in the book of Hebrews, back in our series, An Anchor for the Soul. And uh, today, specifically, we're going to look at just one verse. Last time, we were in a whole chapter. Now, we're going to really focus in on one verse that I sort of brushed over quickly two weeks ago. But I want to do this verse again because I really want you to get this concept in your head and then down deeper into your heart. Let's look at Hebrews 9, 16. You guys join me by saying it. You ready? For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, I hope you understood that. If I make a last will and testament, I'm making promises, right, to those who will survive beyond me. And that goes into effect when I pass. Well, God in Christ made promises He made guarantees to us that through his sacrificial death, burial, glorious resurrection, there would be promises for those who would trust him, that would come to him by grace through faith. And if we believe in the finished work of Christ through his death, then through God raising him, ascending him to his right hand, and Jesus mediating now, the mediator of a better covenant, we find that the promises are active. And so today... I want to talk to you about this subject, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. Now, that should sound very familiar to you. In fact, last week as I was preaching in the evening service, I was preaching with a Korean translator, and we had gone through most of the service, but at the end, I wanted to do something that I thought they might know, so I just broke out into this hymn, and they lit up, they knew this song. They knew it in their tongue, but they knew this song. And can you imagine the day when we won't need an interpreter, but we will know and we will understand, but there will be gathered those of every tribe and tongue and people and nation around the throne worshiping our God together. Can you believe how awesome that is going to be, church? 
how incredible it is going to be to see those who don't look like us, who aren't the same as us, but Jesus died for them just like he died for you and he died for me and all of you tuned in out there, he's died for you and he lives for you and he's asking you to live for him. I wanna share a story with you to start. It's no one you would know, it's no one local, but I do wanna share this because I want you to hear the heart of a young man. One night in a church service, there was a young woman who felt the tug of God at her heart. She responded to God's call. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and her Savior. But she had a very rough past. In fact, her past involved drugs and alcohol, even prostitution. But the change in this young woman when she was exposed to the gospel and surrendered to Christ, the transformation was overwhelming. As time went on, she became a faithful member of that local church, and she eventually became involved in ministry, teaching young children. It was not long before this faithful young Christian girl caught the eye of the pastor's son. The relationship grew, and they began to make wedding plans, and that's when the problems began. You see, about half the church felt like a woman with this kind of past was not suitable for the pastor's son. The church began to argue and fight about the matter, and maybe they were Baptists because they called a meeting, so they wanted to come and talk about it in the church house. And so people made their arguments, and tensions increased, and the meeting was quickly getting out of hand, and the young woman was there becoming more and more upset as people brought up all of these horrendous things from her past. As she began to cry, the pastor's son, who now loved her deeply, could take it no more. He couldn't bear the pain that this was causing his wife to be. He stood with great courage in the assembly and he said, my fiance's past is not what's on trial here today. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to truly wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus Christ on trial. And so church, I would ask you a question. Does it wash away sin or not? Many of the people began to weep because they realized that they had not believed in the all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ. Now here's the deal. No matter what you have done, no matter how seemingly insignificant or horribly insurmountable, no matter the size of your sin, even if the past includes terrible, twisted, horrific things that would make people here shudder. I'm here to tell you on the authority of the word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You must trust him today. You must believe him today. And some of you are sitting there saying, no way, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know what my Jesus did and it is sufficient. And do not sit in your pride and think that you must work your way back to God. You must raise the white flag of surrender as we come to the Lord's table today. You must say, he is enough. I trust him. I lay my life at his feet and he takes my sin and my wickedness and gives me his life and his righteousness. And I've quoted this verse we're going to study today so many times. 
Time after time after time, I guess every time, I've had the joy of leading us in the Lord's Supper and many years even before the Lord brought us here. And I don't know that we've always really slowed down enough to think about what the writer of Hebrews is really saying. So let's study this verse together, this text within its context that we were unpacking two weeks ago under the theme, Nothing but the blood. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. We focus today on one verse, verse 22. Hebrews 9, 22. The Bible says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, I want to show you this in a few other translations. Let's look at the old King James. That was the new King James. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Notice the different translation. So we have cleansed or purified. Now we have purged. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Let's look at the ESV, the English Standard. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. A little easier rendering for us to understand because we don't often use the word remission. New International Version, NIV. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. So we have purged, purified, cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now you need to own this truth today. You need to understand this truth today. This is a life-changing Eternity transforming truth. Get it. Come to Christ. Trust the finished work. And brothers and sisters, no matter if you're from near or far, like my sweet friends I was with this time last week, the same Jesus rules and reigns over all. And if you listen, he'll speak very clearly to your heart today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is truth without mixture of error. And as we come today to take in the truths of the statement we just read, pray God that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. That we would then go forth with hands and feet to put into practice the truth of your word. I was so encouraged between the first service and this to find people coming forward to meet us simply because they had been invited by people of this congregation. The people of grace are going out. They're talking about the glorious things you're doing in and through your church. And they're encouraging others to be a part. The statistics are overwhelming. People will come, but we must invite them. And now I invite them to the throne of grace where they can find mercy and healing for their soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. Let me give you three interrelated truths today from this verse and the surrounding text. So if you weren't here to listen to the message two weeks ago, it really would be beneficial to go back and check that out when you have the time. Let me give you the first truth. Sin is cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus, not through individual creativity nor outstanding achievement. I really believe we live in a cynical culture that says, if I'm going to get something great, I've got to do something or pay for it. 
Now that may well be true, you get what you pay for when you're ordering off Amazon or when you go over to Best Buy or wherever it is you may shop or for those of us who really love the Lord, Bass Pro Shop, praise God. So wherever you shop, whatever you pay, normally you'll kind of equate that to quality. But what we do when we bring that into the house of the Lord is we think, well, I surely must do something to make myself favorable enough to God to be right with him. And that is completely false. In fact, it will frustrate you beyond all measure. In verses 18 to 21, the word blood is used four times. Twice more it occurs in verse 22. So in four verses, six times we find the word blood. Now I know in the modern church we don't want to talk a lot about blood We want to talk about self-help and we want to talk about ways to make our marriage better and how to do our finances and how to parent. And all of those things are important, but none of it is more important than understanding the value of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God used blood for several reasons. I mentioned this two weeks ago, but by way of review, remember this. Number one, sin brings death. Remember, the payment of sin is death. The wages of sin death. God said, if you disobey the day you do it, you'll indeed surely, truly die. That would be spiritual separation from God. Second, life is in the blood. Life is represented by blood. And third, the shedding of blood indicates a high price has been paid. And we've already unpacked all of that a few weeks ago. So let me remind you that over and over and over under the Old Testament, Old Covenant, God said, You've got to deal with this sin issue. And so the lines of people stretched out day after day at the tabernacle, then the temple, and then particularly at Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement, but there was the spilling of blood, the shedding of animal blood over and over and over, many times to cover sins of commission, what you did that you ought not do, or to cover omission, those things you should be doing that you do not do. Both are sin before God. But day after day after day, a price had to be paid, and blood was the dearest price that could be paid. Listen to 1 John 1, 7. I quote it every time we take communion. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now think about that for a moment. For a moment, If we walk in the light, how do we do that? Well, we're going to unpack it today. I want to share something with you that John Stott said. He was an English writer, an evangelical Christian leader. And he said something very profound that has stuck with me. And I went back and found this quote. He said, I could never believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha, his legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, a ghost of a smile on his face, remote look, distant, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after, I've had to turn away. I'm going to pause with the quote. Several years ago, I was in Bihar, India, where we're about to take a team and do a big conference. It's a very, very poor state in northeast India, up near Nepal. Incredibly poor. But this is the birthplace of Buddhism. I went, in fact, to see where supposedly Buddha had received the enlightenment under the Bodhi tree there. And I watched people in meditation. 
And I looked at this statue that they were venerating and I saw how the monks walked around and there was this sense of detachment from the world. But I quickly realized this is not the way the real world works. I know it would be nice sometimes just to shut it all out and om and just kind of get it all away. But this is not the kind of meditation the Bible speaks of. It speaks of deeply processing and thinking on the things of God to take them in. I mean, we've all been to that point where we'd love to shut it out. I'm grateful that Heather and Parker were given tickets to go to the game last night. They blessed us with uh, Sophia and Lucy, one-year-old, three-year-old, with Jiman Jipa all day and night. We went to the little Ponderosa Zoo. One of the goats nearly ate one of Sophia's toes. She wasn't big on that, but the rest of it they enjoyed. And then, you know, by the time the game comes on, uh, Sophia's winding down, Lucy's winding up. I mean, it was it was wild, and we watched the game, and Lucy's still bouncing off the walls. And finally, there came that moment where little Sophia is quietly resting in Jima's arms, and little Lucy, after Jipa gave her some special red juice. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. No, I didn't do it. Thought about it, but <laughs> no more juice, Jipa. Uh, I I finally got her down in my arms, and she tilted her head over, and her arm dropped, and she went to sleep. And I looked at Cindy, and she looked at me, and we went. And if there's anything more beautiful than seeing your precious grandchildren running up to you, because both little ladies run now, and hey, gee, pa, I like it, you haven't seen me in forever. Anything more beautiful than that? Yes, the taillights of their mother and father <laughs> leaving and taking them down the road. It was a beautiful sight. And I look at my honey, and she looks at me, and we go, oh, isn't God good? But in reality, they're going to come back. In reality, you can't stay detached. And so what Stott is saying is, I see this imagery of the false faith of Buddhism out there, but I must look away. Now, here is my sentiment. Listen to what he's now saying. He says, each time I have to turn away, and in imagination I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. Stott declares, and I declare, that is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us and our sufferings become more manageable in light of his. You see, there is still a question mark over human suffering, but over the question mark, we boldly stamp another mark. It is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has crucified sin and suffering, and I know it seems tough right now, my friend, but when we keep an eternal perspective, we can rest assured our God's got this. You are in his hand and you are safe and secure. You are sealed in Christ. And no matter what you face, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. It cleanses and heals and restores. And you know, sometimes we suffer because of our own sin. Sometimes we suffer because of the sin of others. But sometimes 
often for seemingly no apparent reason, we suffer. It may go by the name of Alzheimer's, like my family. It may go by the name of cancer. It may go by a myriad of other names, but we're reminded in the suffering that sin has affected everyone and everything. And in the suffering, remember that Jesus Christ has taken care of you now and forever. And if you will trust him and if you walk with him, weeping may endure for a night. But what does the psalmist guarantee us, friends? Joy cometh in the morning. Trust God Walk with God. Believe that his sacrifice is sufficient. Sin is cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus, not through individual creativity nor outstanding achievement. Second truth, through the shedding of the sacrificial blood of Jesus, sin is forgiven forever. Forgiven forever. Let's focus on a Potentially confusing phrase in verse 22, it says this. And according to the law, so the writings of Moses, what God revealed to him, Old Testament, according to that, almost all things are purified, cleansed, purged with blood. Why why does it say that? Why almost all things, nearly everything? Well, remember, there were a few exceptions in this sense. Water incense, fire. At times, these were used as symbols of purification. Also, think about this. For those who were too poor to even bring a little small animal to sacrifice, they were allowed to bring fine flour instead. Leviticus 5.11. We know that the majority of the time, blood, the blood of animals was used. But I think what God is teaching us in that old law is simply this. No one No one, even through abject poverty, is so far from God that they can't find cleansing. No one has to come with any, in fact, now we don't have to bring any animal, any flower, anything. We simply come as we are. Remember what Christ's own words said in the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 27 and 28. He took the cup. He gave thanks He said to them, drink from it all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of sins. What was Jesus saying? When he said these words, and over and over and over again, this different personal pronoun will sneak its way into what he's saying, and we'll miss it if we're not careful. This is my blood. Over and over, Jesus said, this is my blood. You once were temporarily covered by the blood of the animal. But animal blood ultimately cannot take away human sin. It is not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the blood of the precious lamb of God. It is his blood that is fully sufficient. It is his blood that is not temporary, but permanent for the remission, aphesis, uh, forgiveness, deliverance. You could use the word liberty. Anything that has ever enslaved you, past, is enslaving you present or will get you future, is cleansed, not merely covered, cleansed by the blood of Christ. And we have been proclaiming this truth throughout the ages. I want you to hear three different songs 
Music has always spoken, of course, to me, and I know it speaks to you, and I know that uh, it is an international language. Wherever we go, as I was singing one of these, those Koreans lit up. My brothers and my sisters lit up. We were able to sing in different languages, but the same meaning to the same God. The first from the 19th century, from 1899, in fact. The second from the 20th century, from 1966. The third from the 21st century, 2010. And there have been countless songs written before and during and even since. The first one, I bet you've heard it. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Now, when I grew up singing, we didn't have an E in the word power. It was, it was just P-O-W apostrophe R. Did y'all remember that? Power. Power. Wonder where I love it. In fact, if you know it, would you or evil of victory when there's wonderful power in the blood? Do y'all know it? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Isn't that a great hymn of the faith? Man, that's a good song. I don't care who you are. There's good stuff right there. 1899, is there still power in the blood? Brother, you better believe it. What about this? What about this? The blood that Jesus shed for me. Y'all remember that one? Way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Why? Where's it coming from? Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Let me hear it, church. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose it's power. Now, do you still believe that? Do you just want to sing it in here, or are you going to live it out there? You see, that's not it, my friends. This is a little newer one, but the same great truths. Oh, the blood, crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin, Placed on him the hope of every man. Sing it if you know it. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. What a sacrifice save my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Is there still power in this blood? Does this blood still bring victory? Is this what makes the difference? You better believe it. The world says it's barbaric. I declare the blood of Jesus is beautiful and powerful and effective, and the blood of Jesus must be preached about and taught. When we try to take out the blood, we're taking out the heart of the gospel. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far 
off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you're estranged from God, it's because the blood has not been properly applied. And if you'll recall, what they were doing in the Passover was remembering what we do at communion, remembering the deliverance, celebrating the deliverance. And he said, you kill the lamb. You apply its blood on the lintel and the doorpost of your house. And where I see the blood, I will pass over. Remember, church, Jesus doesn't need to knock on the door. He doesn't need to look inside. Hey, is everybody here worthy? Is everybody worthy of deliverance? All y'all been real good this year? No. He's not looking for your worthiness. He's looking to see if the blood has been applied by faith. He's looking to see whether you've taken him in his word, whether you have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the blood of the spotless lamb of God has been applied to your life by grace through faith in Christ alone. And if it has, he's not looking for your worthiness. He's trusting in the finished work of his son and our savior. That's the truth of the gospel. Sin is cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus, not through our creativity or achievement. It is through the shedding of the blood that sin is forgiven forever. And final truth, Jesus rescues you and releases you from the power, pain, penalty, and one day presence of sin by his blood. And we talked about a little bit of that two weeks ago, but the power of sin. Some of y'all are just frustrated Some of you are just living a defeated life. And you'll share with me or our pastoral team or our counselors, you know, I'm just struggling with this over and over and over and over. And this stronghold that's got a hold of you or you've got a hold of it and can't seem to let go. And the reality is you are not living in the power that God is offering you. Now, maybe you don't have the person in you to overcome You're not going to be an overcomer without Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're not going to be an overcomer unless the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. You are not going to be an overcomer if you have rejected God's one way. But the moment you trust Christ, the power of sin is broken. Now, church, let's live like that. Let's live like the power of sin is broken. Let's live as though we don't have to endure. Now, there's pain, too. I know there's pain sometimes from your sin, sometimes from the sin of others, sometimes from a sin-cursed world. There is the pain of sin, but Jesus' blood can release you from that too. And of course it's penalty. Of course the penalty, the separation from God, the eternal state of being separated from God in hell, in a horrible place of torment, but you can escape that penalty. And one day he can even remove you from the very presence of sin. In Revelation, we find that victory was won through the blood of the Lamb, not our individual ingenuity or physical strength. Revelation 12, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and power of Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Listen, and they overcame him by the what? By the blood of the Lamb 
and the word of their testimony. I'm giving testimony today that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough. You want power over sin, you want power over Satan, you want power over the challenges, you must trust Christ and the finished work. People all over the world today want power. They want to be freed from feelings of guilt and inadequacy. They need power to overcome sin. But where can they find hope and healing? There's still a truth that remains, as true today as when it was written. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains Bases, you can go low Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains What do we got to do? And sinners plunged beneath that flood Lose all their guilty Where are your stains? Are they on you? Or did Christ take them at Calvary? You see, your sin's only going to be on one of two places. He either bore it on the cross and he declared it is finished, paid in full. You will never bear that weight again. What sin? It's either there or it's on you. And if you stand before God with your sin on you, There are not enough good works in the universe to outweigh it. So will you trust this fountain? The blood of Jesus, I say again, is not barbaric. It is beautiful. It's the only thing that totally and permanently cleanses us and brings us back into right relationship with God, not our stuff not our church attendance. We cannot be restored through religious activity. If we want redemption today, we must accept a savior today. So I ask you the same question I asked my new Korean friends one week ago. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you know it, sing it. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And can you imagine a multitude that cannot be numbered singing the praise of God around the throne of God and worshiping and serving him? I want you to be there. I want you to know that you know that you have been released from the power, pain, penalty, and one day the very presence of sin. I want you to accept his sacrifice. And as we come to his table, I want you to humble yourselves before God. Do as the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Examine yourself. Take a few moments to consider, is your heart right before God? Are you born again? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior? Is he your king?
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just in the silence of the moment, God, is there anything that I need to bring and confess before you now? You've told us if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We dare not eat nor drink in an unworthy manner and so now we come before your throne. We ask you to search us, try us, know us, O Lord. As we remember the broken body and shed blood of our Savior, we come not for obligation, but from adoration. We love you. We thank you. We remember. And it is not because of anything we have done nor anything we will ever do. It is because of what Christ has already done. Tetelestai. Thank you for searching us, O Lord. And whether we are in this room together or spread far from this place, let us partake now in a worthy manner. And remember, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and makes us whole. In his name we pray, amen. We come now to observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper given to us to celebrate the broken body and shed blood of the Lord that paid the price for our sin. And it's said on the night before he was betrayed at the conclusion of the feast of Passover which he and his disciples were celebrating, Jesus took bread, and having blessed it, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body given for you. Something I've always tried to do with this time is to show you this bread again. We've gotten some good quality pictures to remind you that matzah, or the unleavened bread, would have the characteristics of stripes and bruises and even piercings, and it would be a reminder to us of the words of the great prophet Isaiah of what the Messiah would endure for us. He would be pierced for us, bruised, but it would be by his stripes that we are healed. And so our Lord took this bread in his relatively young hands, 33, 33 and a half years old, and he took it before his father and he asked him to bless it. Then he would break it and distribute it. Heavenly Father, we come before you with this bread in remembrance of what Christ has done for us. And Lord, because his body was broken, ours don't have to be. And even though there are some here today or some listening that may have a brokenness in themselves, be it spiritual, relational, financial, even physical, where their body is fighting against them, help us all to remember that all such things are temporary for the child of God. That Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, that he has made a new and better way. So thank you for the broken body of Christ who makes us whole. In his name we pray, amen. Jesus said, this is my body and it is broken for you. If you'll take your little cup there, 
turn it to the side with the bread and remove the wafer. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he had a, somewhat of a message about how their fathers survived in the wilderness after they had escaped Egyptian bondage. But he was turning and shifting the conversation from the manna which they ate, and it sustained them those 40 years, to himself and pointing to his own body as a foreshadowing of what he would do. And in John six fifty eight, he said, this is the bread which came down out of heaven, speaking of himself, not as the fathers ate and died, but he that eateth this bread shall live forever. If you'll prepare the other side of your cup with the juice. On that same night, our Lord took the cup. Having blessed it, he gave it to his disciples. And he would say, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Heavenly Father, as we are grateful today for the broken body, so too we are so very thankful for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Without this shedding, Lord, we would not have forgiveness. And yet we have been fully, completely, eternally forgiven if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. If we have said yes to him, then Lord, we have nothing and no one to fear. Thank you for that hope and truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so our verse that I have always shared with you, I may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But remember, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It says that they went out from the upper room. They sang a hymn. But in addition to singing and closing this portion of our service, I want to invite you. I want those of you who are my brothers and my sisters to come. I want you to do as they did even in the first hour and express your love and appreciation for what Jesus has done for you. You say, Pastor, I got up this morning and thanked Jesus for what he had done for me. Well, let me tell you what I did this morning. I told Miss Cindy I loved her, and I got a little... When we got to church, I said, baby, I really love you. And you know what I got? A little more sugar. And between services, after we had talked to some new guests, some new folks over here, you know what I said to her, and you know what she said to me? Hey, baby... I love you. And you know what we did right over here on these steps? Yes, thank you, Jesus. A little bit more sugar, a little more blessing. And I told her I loved her earlier, and I told her again, and I'm going to tell her this afternoon, and I'm going to tell her tonight when we lay down, and I want you to remember you can never run out of thanks and praise and love for the Lord. So if you are a child of God, this table is an opportunity for you to say, God, thank you. I love you. Thank you for first loving me. And come before God on this holy day at this holy altar and express your appreciation. Some of you need to come and give your life to Jesus Christ. 
You don't know that you know that you know. You're not certain that you're a child of God, and you need to nail it down. Pastors and counselors will be here to receive you. If that's just overwhelming to you, Miss Cindy and I will be right over here at this little kiosk after, and we'll receive you. We'd love to talk to you. We're seeing folks come to Jesus pretty well every week we have church. We would love to welcome you into the family of faith. And we had uh, baptisms in the first hour. I know you didn't see them this hour, but we've had them week after week after week. We would love to help you in your walk. Whatever the need, maybe sin has gotten a hold of you, yours, someone else's, or just this sin-cursed world. Maybe you're struggling. Come and leave your burdens with the Lord. Stand with me as we remember there's nothing but the blood of Jesus that gives us hope and healing. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.